Hi folks, Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another podcast, and uh, we're going to be talking with some really cool people and uh, bringing it to you live on YouTube, so as it were. So today we've got a uh, old friend of mine. I've known him for several years. Uh, he's put me on his Forbes list uh, several times for the, I think, the top social media influencers or something like that. Hayden Shaughnessy in his new book, Shift, A New Year's Guide, to the new economy, a user's guide to the new economy, I should say. How's it going, Hayden? Pretty good, Chris. I uh, see the sun shining in the background down there. It's pretty cold here, though. <laughs> yes, we don't have those London uh, dark, no. heaty sort but, of... Uh, you don't do dark, dark, wet, cold. Yeah, we're, right now uh, the east coast of the U.S. is going through uh, storm apocalypse 2015 and they they're they're being told it's the worst storm and they're gonna get like you know five trillion feet of snow. Meanwhile, here in SoCal, we're at seventy four degrees and I'm wearing shorts and flip flops. So, <laughs> bad. It's not bad at all. So uh, let's talk about uh, you know you're right for Forbes. We know that uh, you've uh, probably written for them for some time. I think. Yeah, well, actually, I was writing for Forbes for about four years, but but I quit that back in June actually. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to be doing that list again soon. It will be out on social media today. Uh, yeah, I, love, I love that list because for the first time it actually measured what we do as opposed to the list that I'm normally on where it's kind of more of an opinion poll. And yeah. so that was a great list because it, it actually went into our social media accounts and measured it. So uh, give us a rundown of your background just if you want to do that maybe briefly before you yeah, get into sure. the show. Yeah, happy to do that. You know, my background going back to... Uh, Going back too far, I used to work with the EU in a program that we had that was trying to emulate what you guys were doing in ARPA. You know, so if you look at the Advanced Research Projects Agency and all the good things you did around the internet in the 80s, we were doing something similar in, in Europe, uh, but with mobile and broadband. So we were trying to figure 3G mobile in around about 1989, 1990. And my job was to look after some of those uh, research projects, but projects mostly around satellite communication. So, so I have a background in, in technology management, but also journalism. So I was writing a lot at the time, and my, my job there was to write about 3G and the promise of mobile and, and where the mobile connected society would take us and what, in, what we used to call communities of interest would, would emerge. We call them ecosystems now, but, but we were thinking about that 25 years ago. So... Uh, so that's my deep background, but more generally, lately, I've been researching disruption and the new economy and how how this word disruption, uh, what it really means when you, when you look deep into the economics of business today. So tell us about Shift, because that's what's led you here, and what, what you, like you mentioned, you've gotten into. What does uh, Shift tell us, and what's, uh, what's that about? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, the first thing to say about Shift is, it's, it is quite a big book, but the, the reason for that is you have a lot of people writing about the way the economy is shaping up at the moment. So you'll see things like The Age of Context or The Intention Economy, some great writers writing those types of things. But there's a lot of, of writing about different elements of this, you know, different slices of the cake, if you like. So what I tried to do with Shift was bring it all together and try and reflect a, a range of perspectives on the way the economy is shaping up. And then to say, okay, well, what, what if you look at it, are the really, really big changes? And, and the big change that I wanted to draw attention to was I think that the economy 
now gravitates towards very highly scaled platforms, a bit like Apple, but that can be uh, an, any platform very quickly. Uh, it can be Airbnb or Uber. It, it was uh, Apple and Google. And it, and it polarizes between that and something which is much more open source and uh, ecosystem-like, you know. So, so if you look at the open source community and the potency of open source right now, could we have had Bitcoin without open source? I don't think so. I think open source gives us a way to accelerate an idea across the globe and grow it extraordinarily quickly and, and in a very democratic way. And it's now in the and there's a real possibility that it may transform finance. You know, so so there's the the basic proposition that we we polarize society between the two new power centers. There definitely is, and it's a disruption of uh, there being a core group of you know, what, four or five really controllers to where now it's more, like you say, democratically available, controllable. The power really does come to the people when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think so. I think that the, um, probably what governments haven't realized is quite how powerful that can be and how immediate it can be. Uh, if you remember, uh, maybe three or four years ago, a bit longer than that actually, Nicholas Taller wrote a book called Black Swans, which was all about you know, really unexpected events. But that could be like a tsunami or something along those lines. But mm -hmm. what's the biggest unexpected event in the last two years? I, I'd submit it's Bitcoin. And, mm -hmm. and it's money as code or value as code and the ability or desire to really rip the financial system apart with some new concepts about what value and money should be. And, and that's, that's bigger than a black swan, you know, and it, and it can only happen because we have open source. Yeah, I mean the the Bitcoin promise that it holds uh, from a number of different areas, uh, not only financial, but there's actually talk about using the um, the blockchain to maybe create a new internet where uh, it could be coded in that way to um, create some sort of net. I, I guess there's some work that would have to be done, but there's talk of that. Uh, I know um, the uh, Fred Wilson uh, of Unisquare Partners has talked about blockchain. There's a new uh, investment company that he has where they where they use uh, the blockchain as identity for Bitcoin, uh, where I use it to identify myself, where it could actually be your ID someday. Yeah, isn't it amazing that just uh, a, a few simple ideas, really, an idea about a ledger, yeah. just, just ripped through the the global economy. You know, it's not just that that Fred Wilson thought about it and backed something in New York, or that you've heard about it in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is global, and it's immediately global. Yeah, and it disrupts Federal Reserve banks. It disrupts currency sales for governments. And as you mentioned, you know, it's global. It's it's a one currency for everyone. And to me, the more the I mean, the the one reason we don't have massive wars anymore is because we've become so financially uh, dependent upon one another as countries and stuff that it it just it's more not expedient to create wars anymore. You know we we're, we're too financially yeah. tied to each other, and yeah. so uh, to me the more we you know we realize that we're not a bunch of countries we're a bunch of human beings trying to get through life, and yeah. our real country is the country of human, um, and we should all learn to get along from that aspect. You know, this this uh, the Bitcoin just makes it so that everybody becomes one. Whether you're some guy in the boonies in Africa, and you can't get a proper bank to you know n not steal your money. Whether you're um, 
with your people in Afghanistan. They, they, you know, I, there was a story I heard in Afghanistan where uh, the local, like, sort of mafia, whatever that you call them in Afghanistan, would would hang out, out outside workplaces on Fridays when people would get their checks, and then they would either hold them ransom or or do different things so that when people, you know, they make them go cash their checks and give them a portion of their money or all their money. And so they found that there were different ways that they could use uh, things like processing like Bitcoin or text messaging payments um, to circumvent those, you know, evil doers. So, uh, yeah, it's and, and what's really interesting is how something like block Bitcoin could really just shake the foundations of, uh, say uh, the United States, where you know we have so much debt and it's piled into the value of our currency, and if it became valueless through a virtual currency, that could really disrupt some interesting things, really. Well, I think there's also something else going on, uh, and and you you uh, infer there, you know, when you talk about this is really about the human level, it's about the the economy of the human. Mm -hmm. And last week, I think, and more so today, you've heard the conversation about IBM might be laying off 100,000 people. Yeah. That's 100,000 very highly skilled, very competent, very educated people. And I think that actually is the, the kind of uh, bubble, the employment bubble inside these large banks, but also inside many, many large organizations. It's going to pop. Now, it's mm -hmm. starting to pop with IBM, but it's going to pop. Shift tells the story. You're going to see more and more and more layoffs or you're going to see more and more risk devolved onto individuals and that's something we all have to get ready for you know uh, in in my professional career I've seen this I've seen many employment bubbles pop like this and you suddenly end up in the freelance pool competing against consultants who come out of places like IBM and, and that's going to be I think the the story of the next five years is uh, we have an, a growing uh, self-employed workforce that's probably the largest uh, area of growth for employment right now. And it's going to be suddenly fueled with hundreds of thousands of people coming out of these big organizations. How well, do you survive that? You know, that's part of the story of Shift is what do you do about that? How do you, how do you uh, teach people what it takes to, to do what you and I do, which is we're, we're just out there. You know, we, we make our own way. We're part yep. of a economy where every week, every month, every year, we, we have to do it ourselves. So uh, let me put a plug in here. You can get Shift on Amazon. Uh, where are some other good places so they can pick up Shift? I, I don't know if there's uh, Barnes and Noble. I suppose website. Not right now, actually, no. Right now, I've gone with uh, with Amazon on the okay. Kindle program because I uh, I want Amazon to do their bit in promoting it. So it's if uh, as I understand, you go exclusively with that with Amazon for three months. They do a bit more promotion. So. So anybody's interested, it's Amazon for the print version or Amazon for the Kindle version right now. Cool. But in a couple of months' time, we'll be we'll be putting it on, uh, obviously on iStore and um, iBooks and uh, Barnes and Noble and the rest. And as you're as we're going through this, you guys can go to Amazon.com, look for Shift, a user's guide to new economy. Hayden Shaughnessy, of course, you can search for. I found it very easily. So, so you talk about how we're going to be making this big shift to a more entrepreneurial economy. A lot of us in this in the tech world, or at least those of us who are talking about this vision, uh, realize that we do have to go through a little bit of a painful transition where there's got to be possibly some retraining of of the people in this economy as tech disrupts their jobs. Yeah, I think it's also, uh, there's a serious problem here for governments because they don't know how to invest in individuals. And it's one of those ironies of the, of the capitalist system, if you like, that governments don't like to 
think in, in such atomic terms as individuals. They prefer to deal with large enterprises or, or large entities. But really, governments have got to act, I think, very, very quickly to help people sustain themselves in what's going to be a very, very turbulent time for employment from here on. I'd say from here for the next 10 years. Yeah, we see we see how things are going with video learning, video training. There's disruption that we're, of course, talking about now in the colleges. Uh, a lot of people say that uh, many colleges here in the United States will be bankrupt within 10 to 15 years. Um, there's a lot of disruption going on with education, uh, not only in realizing that education's kind of peaked and uh, you, you pay much more for education here in the United States than you get a value back. In fact, you're usually in indentured servitude for most of your life to pay back the loans that you get. And uh, many people don't even make anywhere near close to the money that they have invested in education. And a lot of the education is very archaic and doesn't really teach people life skills or anything like that. I think those life skills you're talking about, Chris, uh, are also very relevant to the idea of work-life balance because you know, probably like I know, that there is no work-life balance when you're out there in the freelance pool or you're in the ecosystem, there's no work-life balance. It's really, it's really about trying to define your place in a creative economy and you have to define it for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what we're beginning to learn now is what, what is this creative economy all about? Go back 10 years, Richard Florida was talking about it and it was all the creative city, the creative class. And we kind of laughed about it a little bit. You know, it's, uh, are we all going to be scriptwriters and novelists or what, what is it going to be? But actually, it's something very, very distinct. It's like you have to get up in the morning and you have to figure out who you're going to pitch to, uh, where you're going to get your work from, what that work's going to consist of, what your expertise is going to be, how you're going to parlay that expertise through social media, how you're going to collect your bills. You know, there's a big, big range of skills and a hugely different type of confidence and creativity you need. And that's what I don't think people are going to learn from uh, any of the online academies. You know, I think, well, let me put it to you. How long did it take you to learn the freelance life? Well, I, I've been self-employed since 18. So uh, I pretty much had my own companies and learned to make my own bread and, uh, you know, feed myself through being a, a technically a freelancer when it came down to it. Um, you know, I learned to go out and knock on big doors and, when I was a scary young kid. And so all my life I've been a, a serial entrepreneur. Um, so I've just been kind of used to making my own money. Yeah. Um, what happened to me was, you know, for years people said, you know, you should be a consultant. I'm like, oh, we're running three different companies at the same time for 13 years. I don't, <laughs> I don't have time to do that. Um, but, you know, we consulted with a lot of entrepreneurs that were coming up for free. You know, we give advice. But uh, the recession in 2008 wiped out all of our businesses and uh, wiped out 20 years of licenses and everything else that we had. And so it became, well, a Guess we'll go do the consultant thing and yeah you're right it's every morning you get up and try to figure out how to make your bread for me it was uh, it was a transition into a new field where I had to start making something happen and and not only that it was a new field of social media where um, it was just a emerging wild west of a, of a potential thing that you never really knew what it was going to go to but I've always been an entrepreneur and a bit of a pioneer and visionary so I just kind of went for it and and it was the only thing that was working at the time in the midst of a horrible, almost depression <laughs> recession that we had over here. Uh, well, you guys shared a little bit of it over there. Um, yeah, that's yeah. So, 
it was uh, it was uh, you know it was a little difficult to, to get through but uh, uh, you know I found my entrepreneurial legs but you know the thing is I'm kind of a unique animal in that sort of thing like you say a lot of people are gonna have a hard time with it because they don't think from an entrepreneur aspect they think from a uh, I go someplace I punch and I punch out I mindlessly do some work and then I and then I get paid and it's guaranteed <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 and and that that calls on people to do their their own kind of financial planning in a totally different way also what I find actually I don't know if you do this but but I find what I do is one of my, my kind of strategies I'm always trying to create options for myself well ahead of the need for having those options and I find that I kind of divide my month a little bit every month I do a week of work where I'm not paid it's very hard for people in jobs to understand that, but you're constantly doing work which you don't get paid for. And you have to be doing this kind of trade in your head all the time. Who am I going to do? You know, Where am I going to make contacts? What am I going to put out there that's going to reward me later? Balancing short-term, medium-term, and long-term possibilities the whole time. I think it's a totally different skill set, uh, even from something that you may have seen 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, these days you've got to do all those things as well as somehow be a recognized uh, expert in this thing we call social media. You've got to, you've got to be able to be prominent up there somehow. So, yeah, and it's great that your book talks about this, the book Shift, the, uh, um, what is it, User's Guide to a New Economy. The yeah. people are going to have to think in a new entrepreneur way, and very sadly, schools don't teach entrepreneurism. And no, they don't. And the, no, the survival mode that, like you say, you have to have, you have to be able to think. And what, what you're talking about, doing work for free, to my background, that's called just investing or reinvesting profits of, your, of yourself back into your corporation. So, yeah, you're right. You have to go do free stuff. You know, I, I go to events. I go to news shows and stuff. And a lot of times they're a financial loss for me. But the contacts, the networking, and the exposure that I'm going to get from it hopefully pay off. And that's part of the investment Angle yeah, one. I think there's, there's a couple of points to that, Chris. You know, one is that you have enterprises like IBM is going to devolve risk onto those hundred thousand people it fires. I don't think it'll break its relationship with them, uh, I, but it will devolve risk onto them. So IBM will take less of the risk of, of having an employed workforce, and that's going to set the pattern for the future. But I think on the other side of it, you know, when when people like us try and do these things, we, we should be able to look to some kind of governmental um, assistance. And I don't mean handouts. I'm not talking about a welfare response. I think that governments have to reorientate around the individual. And, and in the end, that's what a capitalist society is about. It's about us, individuals, not about big enterprises. Mm -hmm. I would so agree, I, totally. There's a big shift in politics to come as well. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to affect uh, politics, especially with Bitcoin. Uh, we're actually seeing some new things from Bitcoin this week uh, where we saw uh, the Winklevosses are working on the first federal-type uh, New York NASDAQ stock exchange for Bitcoin where it would be official and regulated. And then we saw Coinbase, I believe, which is also Fred Wilson's uh, investment. Uh, they uh, have launched, I think, the first regulated uh, regulated exchange uh, or regulated, uh, yeah, I think it's well regulated. They're they're basically regulated. So um, right, okay. 
it's gonna it's gonna uh, affect the financial services very quickly. I think, mm -hmm. and in some in some significant way, because the financial services are not providing services. You know, yeah. it's so it's so complex to transfer value at the moment. Uh, we need an alternative. Well, they are providing a service. They're taking all my money. <laughs> it's a service to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Banks love taking my money. Uh, so uh, there you go. But uh, so, anything else uh, in the shift book that we want to uh, cover? Is it, uh, do we do we get a good idea, an overview of it? Well, I think one of the one of the most important things these days is to is to keep it as simple as you can, I suppose. But shift is quite a complex book. You know, it's four hundred pages actually, which which almost guarantees not anybody nobody's going to get through it. Um, but I think if you if you want to buy the book, if you want to go and buy Shift, then you can dip into three different areas of the book. You know, one is about the context; it's about how these changes have come about and why they've come about. There's a section on the enterprise where, if your thing is to go and read about how companies are changing and what your role might be like or how it might change within larger enterprises, you've got a section on that. And then you've got a section which is all about you. It's all about the individual and and what kind of changes we need to make and what kind of changes governments need to make to support us better. So, so yeah. Sorry, and thinking of this book is going to be paramount because whether you like it or not, this change, this shift is coming. Yeah, I think it's there. It's happening. Yeah, most definitely. It's not something you're going to be able to hide from. And, uh, you know, I, I meet so many people. I, I, being a serial entrepreneur all my life, I've kind of had a, a weird life. I can write paychecks when I when I want to. I can take time off when I want to. Of course, I have to be fairly successful to do that, so I have to work very hard. But uh, for the most part, I've been pretty good about doing that throughout my life, and it's been very different. Like you know, I'll talk to a friend, and I'll be like, "Hey, uh, you want to go do a two or three day tromp around here?" And they're like, "Oh, I have to go to my job," and I'm like. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. They're like, I have to ask time off for my boss, and I'm like, oh yeah, there's people I have to do that. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what shift? Uh, what, what's the impact of that shift going to be? Where we all have much more flexible lives as well. I'm the same. That, uh, yeah. If I, if I want to, right now I'm sat in a cottage in the south of France because I want to be here right now, and I think we're we have the upside, you know, which is lots more choice. Yeah. It's definitely going to be empowering, but people are going to have to get through that entrepreneurial mindset shift. I do love being an entrepreneur because being an entrepreneur is, I think you're more self-aware, you're more self-responsible, you, you realize the buck stops with you, and I think you work harder and you, um, it, it brings a whole new level of self-awareness and responsibility, I think. It does, but I think, look at it on a macro scale, and, and I think that, what we see right now is a lot of inefficiency in the economy. You know, if you if you simply want to look at this as an economic issue, if you look at something like Apple's app developer ecosystem, it's an incredibly efficient way, inefficient way in many respects. A lot of those apps don't get used, or a lot of them uh, take too long, a lot of them don't work very well, and so on and so forth. And that that tends to be a feature of uh, ecosystem type uh, activity right now. And I wonder, uh, just from again from an economic efficiency, economic growth standpoint, whether again we, we really need governments to get behind or to get an understanding of what all this is about. Because we can be we can be wasting a huge amount of resources. All the, all the people that build apps that don't go anywhere, um, they could maybe have made a success of that with a with a better education. And there definitely is a transition to life. This is probably another important reason to get the book. <clears throat> 
you know, we owned <clears throat> we owned a mortgage company for 20 plus years. I never thought that the industry would get wholesale wiped out like it did um, mm-hmm. in the in the recession. I never thought that 20 years of my life and career that we'd invested in a certain um, industry would just get wholesale just crushed, yeah. and uh, it did. And so. I, what it seems to have been, you know, I built most of my companies over the years, and I've owned dozens of them, um, and I always thought they would last forever, but they don't, even when I control them and, and do them. And some of it has to do with my interest in moving from state to state or moving from partnership or investors to other uh, things that I wanted to do. But I've learned that you really have to be in life very versatile, very open to, well, what's going to shift in, in your life because nothing lasts forever. The the old IBM adage they used to have in the 50s where you work for IBM all your life and you get a gold watch and retire at the end of it just isn't there. And you've got to be able to change and adapt and, and evolve. Yeah, I think you've also made another shift there, though, Chris, which is from that entrepreneurial world where you actually try and build business and scale business to a world where your primary concern is self-sufficiency and yourself. You know that what you don't want is to is to have that 2008 experience again. So <laughs> try to only take your business activity around making sure you're okay, you're sustainable, and, and yeah. we more need it. You know, we all have to become more self-sufficient. Definitely, definitely. So uh, I highly recommend everyone go check out the book Shift. A let me see if I can get this right. A economy. economy. By Hayden Shaughnessy, and I think you've written a few other books, haven't you? I wrote one called The Elastic Enterprise, which concentrates more on the enterprise side of change. Cool. And you can find this on Amazon.com. It's Amazon.com. Just search for yeah. Shift, a user's yeah. guide to the new economy, or Hayden Shaughnessy. You should be able to find it. And Hayden, where can we find you on the internet and stuff? Uh, so you can you can find find me these days. I'm at HaydenShaughnessy.com, my own site. I'm doing work with. Gigaroam, so you can find my work uh, more and more at research.gigaroam.com. Uh, so you can still find my, my kind of legacy stuff there at um, Forbes.com. There's four years worth of writing there. Uh, but but I, my association ended in June. Um, just on the um, on the business of, of the book, Chris, you know, if people want to buy now, it's at a reasonably low price, actually. I, for launch, I've kept it. Um, I think it's about five dollars, five ninety nine dollars, maybe. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll go up over time, but right now, for launch, it's, it's uh, what I thought a price that um, isn't going to hurt people. You know, I'd rather get it in people's hands. And, and also, you know, if people want me to come and talk about it, then great, I can do a deal on it. Yeah, good launch. The um, where can they find you on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? At Hayden H A Y D N seventeen o one. 1701. And then there'll be links on the Chris Foss Show and on the YouTube channel in the description boxes. You'll be able to find the links to Hayden Shaughnessy. So we'll have those on there and also the book Shift. So be sure to check it out. Hayden, thanks for uh, hanging out with me. I'd love to have you on more to talk about disruption and everything else here in the future with our podcast. Yeah, let's do that, Chris. I'm doing some research around disruption in the financial services sector at the moment. So just tell me when, when you want me back. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. Sounds good. Well, thanks for uh, getting on with me, and I appreciate it, bud. We'll uh, let you go. Be sure to tune in to ChrisVossShow.com and the podcast. Pick up the Shift book from Hayden Shaughnessy, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for coming by. Thanks, Chris.